Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to episode 84 of the Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from our media room here at the OpenStack Summit in Portland. And we are joined this morning by Diane Mueller. Diane, say hey. Hello, everybody. And Krishna Raman. Hi, everyone. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attempt to pronounce it here, Ryan Jarvanen. That's me. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning, everybody. So what I wanted to do real quickly is is have you all um, briefly introduce yourselves, and then we'll kind of jump into the first uh, topic. So, Diane, go ahead. Cool. Well, I'm uh, now the cloud ecosystem evangelist here at Red Hat, and I'm working um, on developing the origin, which is the open source side of OpenShift, the develop- creating the developer community and evangelizing and creating a, a stronger more powerful community around the Origin project so it can upstream nicely into all kinds of things. And do you have your first month in yet? Just barely. And during that first, <laughs> two, first month, I actually took two weeks vacation. So, um, <laughs> hence, and therefore, I have my colleagues here with me to make sure I say all the names of everything correctly. Sure, I understand. Krishna. I'm one of the engineers on the OpenShift project, and I'm leading the open source effort, which is OpenShift Origin, along with BuildCost. Very cool. Ryan? Yeah, I'm an evangelist for the OpenShift team, um, helping getting the word out about uh, what you can do with platform as a service on top of OpenStack. Very cool. And yeah, quick quick warning to everyone, even though this is the the OpenStack uh, Summit, this, uh, this particular podcast will be very uh, platform-as-a-service heavy, but we will be uh, also digging into OpenStack on top of our, our platform-as-a-service and OpenShift on top of OpenStack as well. Um, what I want to talk about first, uh, Diane, was there was actually a community day the day before the summit. So yeah, tell us actually, a little bit about that. that. That was a lot of fun. It was the first actual community day for Origin. We had it here in Portland, and we did a, um, a session from – well, it started at 11 in the morning, and then it went until 10 o'clock at night. So we did deep dives into Origin internals, Origin uh, running Origin on OpenStack. Um, we did a lot of deep dives. So we had Dan Walsh, an SE Linux girl, talking about the benefits of SE Linux, where we're going with it, why you want to secure your pods. It was, that was pretty cool. And then we had a, a really great session on cartridges, and cartridges are, is our metaphor for um, how we extend and add new services and frameworks and, and pieces to uh, the platform as a service, and we have a new architecture that came out. So once we went through all of that, then we had beer and pretty good pizza and a little hackathon, <laughs> and we made a few people sit down and start writing some cartridges. So it was a pretty wonderful day. We had about 40 to 45 people show up, and um, it was one of those moments in time that I think we'll all remember is the first actual community day. Very cool. Very... So tell me a little bit about the community and, and platform as a service in general. Yeah. So I think one of the things that we're all seeing, um, and we're here at OpenStack, so obviously a lot of us are into open source, um, is that platform as a service now is really moving into becoming one of the key layers of the cloud, and it's becoming a very integral open source project. And I think what we're seeing is groups 
coalescing around platform as a service and starting to really want to contribute to um, creating the next generation of platform as a service, and that's what we really see OpenShift as. Um, it's an evolving architecture. Um, we've got a lot of great folks from Red Hat working on it. We've got a lot of external folks working on it too, and, and I think what we're really the issues that we're running into um, overall in the cloud, like we discussed with OpenStack and, and every other one, is around governance and transparency. And we're working out um, the whole process of being a contributor and committing. And I, that I think is what we're focusing on overall in the pause space. There, you know, historically we had you know wonderful people like Heroku and Engine Yard and doing and Dot Cloud and those great public paths offerings, but they're all built. Um, built on pieces and parts of open source projects, but they in themselves were not open source. Right, as a whole project and then, or offering. Yeah, they weren't mm -hmm. an, they're not an offering. And then as the private cloud has evolved and people want to bring it on-premise or host it privately themselves on some public cloud, um, we've started to see some proprietary um, options open. But I think really as the open source ethos has really um become that of the, the corporate world too, it's really been adopted, is that we really are seeing that platform as a service itself is something that people expect to be an open source initiative. They don't expect to be deploying a proprietary initiative in-house or even a few companies we see try to build their own platform as a service and then they turf it because they realize it's a maintenance nightmare. Uh, <laughs> or sure. a few companies fork an open source project and then they realize, oh no, we better you know, we better play well with others and merge it back in and contribute and collaborate. And that's really what I think it's it's a learning curve. Well, people realize that platform as a service is one of those essential cogs that must be an open source project. Sure, sure, and you know. We keep hearing over and over, you know, all of this is in early days. Like you mentioned, you know, so this is the, the first community day, right? And but at the same time, like to, to kind of circle back around uh, to a previous uh, cloudcast, we had Isaac Roth on um, way back when. I want to say July two thousand and eleven, if I remember, episode thirteen. Uh, and you know, it, the project and the, the the platform really has come a long way. Yeah. But what kind of traction are you seeing in the industry, you know, from the users that are well, out there? We, we're actually in a really sweet spot, you know, as far as um, platform as a service goes, because we have the online community of people and there's hundreds of thousands of folks using and giving us feedback and pounding it. So we come from a very strong, as opposed to just creating an open source project and, okay, here it is, come, come play with me. Yeah. We have a huge user base who have been already playing with and building cartridges for and giving us feedback so that we can um, change the core, change the architecture, extend things, and you know, make it actually scale and, and do wonderful things. So we've got a real tipping point of, of people who want to work on it. So I think that's key. Yeah, for our success. Sure. And I would kind of relate that back to this, this conference in general. It certainly seems like OpenStack has received a critical mass at this point, right? I think actually maybe it was Randy Bias. I don't remember who, but I know there was a Twitter comment from one of the sessions. I, I wasn't in the session, but that, you know, the, the, the soundbite was that, you know, as of this summit, <laughs> that, that OpenStack has certainly received critical mass at this point. I thought that was an interesting comment. Critical um, mass isn't always the, the tipping point for a project, though. Sure. It is. And one of the things that I'm really clear on is that open source isn't always a popularity contest. So, <laughs> right. Um, you know, I, I love and I've deployed since Essex and Folsom. I've been playing with 
OpenStack and deployed a number of times in lots of different scenarios. And so I think it's a very strong, and so I, I definitely agree with Randy that we have with OpenStack on that. I think with platform as a service, the tipping point hasn't been hit yet. Mm-hmm. For us, community day happened because we had our first release of origin. Right. Sure. As, and, and it had been in use for a lot longer. Yep. Um, but it was the actual first official release of Origin, which was pretty cool. Yep. And so we decided to have a community day around that. Cool. So, so Ryan, Krishna, tell me a little bit about Origin. What is it? How does it compare to some of the other things you have going? And, and historically, uh, what has happened with, with OpenShift Origin? Sure. So since the last podcast that you had, mm-hmm. a lot has changed. So back then, if I remember right, uh, there was there were two products. There was OpenShift Flex and OpenShift Express. Mm-hmm. And since then, the code bases have actually been combined. Flex was uh, written in Java. Express was a combination of Ruby and Bash. Okay. And now both of those have been combined, and we have Origin or OpenShift as it is today. Sure. Right. Origin is the upstream product of OpenShift Online as well as Express. Okay. So it, they both pull from that and... The only difference in online is basically integration with internal Red Hat and stuff. So this it's really running the same code. Okay. Except for a couple of plugins, right? So that's a very brief history of where OpenShift came from. Origin itself was announced about a year ago at uh, at Red Hat Summit. And since then we have been making a lot of changes just to make if have a public CI out there, all the code is now on GitHub, it is there's an open source uh, Puppet script that you can use to set up Origin. Mm-hmm. There's also the Vagrant startup, which takes it, it pulls the latest nightly builds to run and get everything up and going really quickly. So that's where we are right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, one of the really interesting things, and one thing I think uh, you know we're really doing right with this, is having Origin be the upstream master. Um, and there's really... A, we're learning a lot from using OpenShift Online and doing the internal deployments with the enterprise and feeding that all back upstream. So sure. I think this is one of the few areas. I, I don't know if, if Red Hat proper would say this, but I would I would like. Uh oh, Ryan's going off message. No, I, just I, I would love it if, if Red Hat was not the number one contributor long term. Sure. In this one, you know, we, we really want to bring other people sure. on board. Sure. So, so to that end, what's what, one of my main focuses here is to bringing in the enterprise customers and the external cloud technologists into the community and. Um, you can always go to openshift.github.io um, and and see all the documentation. You can download a VM from that spot, and you can pull the code and, and do whatever sure. you want to it and play with it and contribute it. We, you can actually see um, lots of the pull requests are not coming from us or inside of Red Hat. Um, one of the really cool things about Community Day is in that, in that day, at the beginning of the day, one of the enterprise customers who came to that... Um, session, made a pull request, and it, with us, it, in that single day, someone uh, from the team, I think Krishna, reviewed it, yeah. um, put it, put it through the testing cycle, and... Um, and it's merged. And it's oh, merged. Oh, very nice. In, yeah. one, in one day. Yeah. And that's what we're striving for. We're striving for the enterprise customers to come in, the people who are already using um, different Parts of OpenShift, uh, because we have a huge customer. We're Red Hat, okay? Right. I know I'm wearing not a Red Hat, but um, <laughs> there's there's a huge customer base already there. But there's also 
um, a little startup in Brazil called GetUp Cloud. This is a plug for Get that actually took the origin code and instantiated a small public pause down in Brazil. So, sure. You know, we're really getting in, and those guys have made pull requests, and those pull requests have also been merged and pulled in. So right. we're really about making sure that this is a real, true open source project. Right. And, and so op- OpenShift Origin is the open source project that you right. can just go get and get okay. running, and like Krishna was saying. But and then there is also is it openshift.com is the public offering online openshift online okay yes. thank you so openshift online is the public offering yep. and and actually I've played with that so you can go out sign up for a free account and and um, you can get up to three micro instances. Yeah. Um, so actually, um, I, I, I got, this was actually, I was on spring break with my kids and, you know, after everyone would go to bed at night, I'd stay up and do this. So this was my, you know, spring break project, mm-hmm. but I got, um, the tiny RSS reader going as a potential Google reader alternative. That was actually really, it was one of the quick starts that you nice. could just go do. Yeah. Right. I did that and I did a WordPress one and it was just really fun. And the other one was, there was a, um, I just thought it was the coolest thing. There was, a the Minecraft server that you, yeah. met, I think yeah. it was, was it you, Ryan, it was I Steve. mentioned? Steve, Steve, yeah. Steve yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there was the, I didn't do that one yet. Um, although, uh, I'm sure my kids would love that, but there was, um, for me, I'm an old gamer. So there was a Quake 2. Yeah. I want to get Quake 2 running yet as my, my third micro instance. Awesome. I haven't done it yet, but yeah, I <laughs> yeah. I'll let you know when we'll I get Quake 2 running. <laughs> and, and those go up incredibly quick, especially if you have something packaged as a quick start, yes. something that's already, uh, had a couple minor modifications so sure. that the application can bind to the correct ports. Yep. And usually that's the only changes from a developer's perspective that are needed yep. to port your application to something where a, a developer could come along and basically say, start me up the new app, here's the, the source on, on GitHub or a, another public Git repo, yep. and boom, you're ready to go. And that's kind of our quick start level, right. you know, instant app. And, yep. uh, and then the, the other major place for um, contributors to come in is at the uh, cartridge level. Mm-hmm. And that's the main point for partners right. to come and, in. And, and, and a cartridge is, is, in my mind, it's almost like a library, right? Where it's like a pre-configured... You know, like what, what were some of these? What are the examples of some of the popular cartridges, right? Where it's okay. it's you're basically pulling something in that's pre-configured, so you don't have to mess with it, right? Right. I would think of it as a component that plugs in and gives you some sort of feature in your application. So a cartridge could be a language, okay, like a Java, Ruby, Python. Mm-hmm. All of those are there. Yep. It could also be a database. It mm-hmm. could be a message queue. It's basically any component that's reusable between applications. Okay. And can be plugged into an application to provide some feature to it. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so, and then, so there's the open, open shift, which is the, the community there's open shift online, which is the public version. And then there is a private cloud version as well, or is that coming or okay. Open shift enterprise. Okay. So, okay. So that's already launched. All right. So there you go. Right. Right. So there is, you know, there's, Certainly, various different versions, right? But there's there's the open source version, there's the public version, there's the private version for the enterprises. A little bit of everything and anything. Um, and and what I really found fascinating, again, going back to that that cartridge aspect of it, that that idea of all right, you know, write it once, use it many times, right. kind of philosophy behind really, all of it. It gives a, a great way to extend the platform. You know, I think that's one of the, the keys to this architecture is that it really gives. There's lots of places you can, I always say, you can give 
contributions in lots of places, but cartridges really allows us to um, extend the frameworks that we support, the languages, the message buses, thing. it really allows us to bring in partners. Um, we had a couple of them at the community day as well, hacking away, trying to get um, bits and pieces uh, running. So it, the, I think we have two that will come out shortly that will be community cartridges, and we make a lot of noise about that. Very cool. So um, tell me a little bit about the architecture itself, because when I was playing around with it, so those three micro instances that I could launch, it was all a single instance, no HA or any of that, but there's an HA architecture available as well for that more scalable application. Um, so there's, there's like, I think a micro instance and then a slightly larger instance. And then is there plans for more as time goes on or... I'm not sure about that. Would be more on the online aspect. Yes. But the platform itself is capable of supporting any size that you require. Okay. So that the small size instances with OpenShift Online mm -hmm. are five twelve megs of memory and a gig of persistent disk space okay. for our smalls, right? But that's really tunable. Uh, if you're running your own private sure. cloud, okay. you could really tweak those however you, you want. Right, you set your own. Okay, yeah, yep. it's your own offerings of whatever instance size you want, right? So, so how does the HA architecture? work then? What's so the behind the scenes on that? At this point in time, uh, the way it works is there's a HA proxy up front, which is the load balancer. And your application gear, so basically a language tier, is the one that scales up and down. Okay. And each, you have multiple gears within your application. So if you have a non-scaled application, it's a single gear. But if you just pass the minus S flag uh, when you're creating it on command line, that makes it a scalable application. Okay. And as soon as you do that, you now have multiple gears within your application. The first one being HA proxy, and it will spin up additional gears as the load goes up and scale out your application to it. Okay. And that'll scale across your uh, OpenStack cluster, right? Okay. So you really can, uh, you know, spread applications, uh, you know, across your whole private cloud right. um, and do a lot of different lot of stuff that, uh, that you'd expect from, uh, you know, like a Heroku type service. Understand. And, and I've heard references to this running on top of OpenStack and I've also heard references to SE Linux. So mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about the infrastructure as a service layer or a little bit about what it actually runs, runs on top of and, and maybe clarify that a little bit for me. Sure. So OpenShift Origin itself can run on anything that will run RHEL or Fedora 18. Okay. It doesn't require a platform or an infrastructure as a service under it. It will run on bare metal if you'd like. Right? Okay. But it fits into OpenStack quite nicely because OpenStack will allow you to spin up additional nodes to provide more capacity as you need it. Okay. And that's basically the point where Heat comes in. So Heat is an API that's coming into OpenStack. Uh, a lot of discussion in this particular uh, conference about it. And we have a Heat template that was released recently, which spins up a broker and a node in about 10 minutes. Okay. Which is pretty awesome um, in, in terms of automating and orchestrating deploying the pause. Right. So I think that's that's one of the things that we're really looking forward to on the OpenStack is that tighter integration using Heat and with making sure that across all of the different deployments, the different flavors of OpenStack that are out there, um, the, the ability to use Heat to do the orchestration to deploy a pause such as um, OpenShift is going to be pretty pretty cool. 
Yes. And again, I'll say at openshift.github.io, you can go and you can actually get the public scripts that we use. Um, and I think the heat, the heat, heat templates is checked into the heat project, which yeah. is part of open Okay. And basically you, you can go off if you have an open stack, um, instantiation or a cluster somewhere and you've got the heat stuff. It, and we actually, in the video that we made, show you how to deploy the heat up and running. Yep. So that's, uh, I think, and we'll, we'll give you the, the link sure. to that. Yeah. And you had a, you had, you did your, your session yesterday. It was, it was, it was Krishna and Diane and, and, uh, it was actually so well attended. It was, I was in the overflow actually sitting next to Ryan, um, that, that, you know, there was, it was a really good crowd and we ended up, yeah, we ended up in the overflow room when we saw, so we saw the video and heard y'all and, um, but it, you know, that was, it was really neat to actually see all of that. I think that yeah. the interesting thing is at the beginning of that session, cause you were in the overflow, I asked everybody in the room who, who there had used a PaaS. And the question I should have asked is, okay, so now who has deployed a PaaS on OpenStack? <laughs> they all want PaaS, right? Mm -hmm. I think the one thing that um, I'm really clear on now is that any cloud initiative, whether it's a private cloud initiative or a public cloud, if it doesn't include a PaaS, it's basically incomplete functionality mm -hmm. because the expectations there now, and this is what has happened in the marketplace, is that the early day guys like Heroku and Engine Yard and all those the goodness that was in the public made an expectation that if you deploy a private cloud and then you bring the developers to it, they expect pause functionality to be there now. And so the one piece of advice I keep doing is that the only way you're going to be successful on a private cloud project is if you include a platform as a service layer there because it's just basically functionality. We expect it now. Sure. And tell me a little bit about um, use cases uh, because – Everyone, yeah, whenever you, you think about platform as a service, everyone immediately goes, yep, it's developers, it's this, it's that, you know. Are we still at that same kind of initial set of use cases, or as we're maturing, the product's maturing, are we seeing a little bit of growth outside of that? So, so I think initially the use case with the public pauses was we're developers who were tired of waiting for ops to build them a stack or give them permission to have a stack and went around with a lot of shadow IT things happening. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so there was a lot of FUD around that. But I think Me now, building my Quake server. Building your Quake no. server. Or, or worse yet, you building a mobile app for your um, Salesforce. Right. You know, instead of using Salesforce or whatever with the corporate uh, ethos was that you had to use. But I think um, now what we're seeing is more from a DevOps push and an, an IT management push and even a compliance push. Because if you think about what PaaS is, it's basically saying you can use these cartridges. You can use these gears. You can use these frameworks. You can use this version of this framework, and we will let you push your app out there. And so you now can audit it. You can do risk management around it. I know all those words are very boring. <laughs> but when you're in the business of IT, right. um, those things are really essential. It's so on the people, enterprise checklist. It's on yeah. the enterprise checklist. Right. Pause is, is really helping people to be more compliant and more secure, and I think that's um, a, a really good thing, uh, aside a new use case that we didn't think of initially. Um, I also think that because of the way that we, there was one question in yesterday's session where someone was asking, you know, so what's the difference between just using heat to deploy WordPress or using heat to deploy pause and then using, you know, doing your WordPress. I remember that. Yes. And, um, and I'm like thinking to myself, God, if I have to use heat to deploy every application I ever do, one, it's a nightmare. Yeah. You know, that many templates. But it's the thing is, if you just have the platform as a service, 
Um, and we, we should stop using WordPress as an example because it's really like the biggest. I love WordPress. Sorry, it's the biggest waste of time in terms of you know trying to explain what Pause is good for. Because you asked about use cases besides in the IT stuff. Right now, what I'm really seeing is a lot of mobile apps mm-hmm. um, going out there and right. using. And I, again, I'll, I think this was tweeted out yesterday. I'll probably repeat myself again. But Bass, backend as a service, the world's worst. Right. Right. Ever. right. Yes. But one of the perfect use cases that I've been playing with a lot lately, because I've got a couple of iPhone apps out there, is using Paz to manage the scaling of the backend of my um, uh, mobile applications that are out there. And I think that's a that's a really cool application that people, um, and that, and I, a lot of that, um, the besides the Apple Store giving us a place to sell things. Um, that's really enabled people to put applications out there in the world, and, and it's really gotten a lot of innovation going on. Sure. It's not just about, you know, Angry Birds. And- right, yeah. And, and to, to kind of circle it back around, you know, at the Cloudcast, we actually have, we just launched uh, a couple episodes ago, another podcast that's actually in our feed called The Mobilecast because we were, you know, doing a lot of things, and we noticed there was a lot of interest in the mobility, and we actually had some really good guests on them. They actually agreed to kind of take it on as a as another podcast in our feed so we're starting to kind of branch out because yeah we that is the number one use case we're seeing a lot of times well it's actually probably the safest place for for big enterprises to try to dip their toe in the water so you'll see them you know oh field or tech service some mobile app they'll tie it to their secure database but Mm -hmm. they'll create a web front end for it and they can do their checklist when they're going off to fix a machine in somebody's factory or whatever and that's a great way to, to test the waters with cloud mm-hmm. and to test the waters with PaaS. So I think that's why we, I, I keep writing great demo apps for this sort of, <laughs> and that sort of use case. Out. Sure, sure. So what I want to do is quick, kind of do a, a quick summary, and then let's talk about the some of the other OpenStack-related things. But So um, there is OpenShift Online, but OpenShift Online is in – Developer preview is that the correct term to use for it? Where currently, yeah, yeah, I think, and that preview is supposed to extend up until this summer. Okay, um, and I, I, I expect there to be uh, some kind of announcement up, uh, upcoming. Sure, yeah. sure. You you guys might have a conference coming up where Possibly. you might want to. Yeah, there may. Okay, be. <laughs> <laughs> just a little one in June. <laughs> um, and then there, of course, the the OpenShift Origin project is already up and going, and the the enterprise version of the product is is released today and available. Is it's that correct? It's released today, and it's in production in a couple of really nice large companies that we okay. can't say any names. Of course, of course. Shop. <laughs> but they were at the community day. So, hey. Sure. Well, and, and and since we're here at the the OpenStack Summit and. and Diane, I know that is at least uh, part of your role as well. Tell tell me a little bit. There was a, some interesting announcements yesterday around OpenStack, and tell me a little bit about that. So I think one of the, the big things, and, and I mentioned at the beginning, is that Red Hat has made a concerted effort to do a lot of contributions into the OpenStack, and you know, Steve Hardy is doing a lot of work with Heat, and we've been playing a lot with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll see if if you walk out there, it's not just the lanyards that have Red Hat on them, but the hats are out. There's a lot of there's a sea of red fedoras and and what we're really proud of is having um, RDO, which is the Red Hat um, distribution of Open of OpenStack, and and the work that's being done on that. And that, that's some of the announcements here, and the announcement of that community being developed, um, and pushing that um, effort out the door has been a big part of what Red Hat's been doing over the past year. And we're 
I think you'll see a lot more um, coming out very shortly. I hope I can't talk about it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so suffice to say, I think we have a very big investment in that. But um, but I think that's all I can say. <laughs> well, and just to, you know, as a, uh, a general, um, you know, outside looking in, the one thing I, I have definitely noticed with the OpenStack Summit so far is there's definitely been a vibe around certain companies and certain companies that seem to have a lot of traction um, and, a, and a lot of movement forward in the industry and certainly would yeah. include you all in that. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that the Red Hat vision is a complete cloud stack. Mm-hmm. I mean, cloud stack is somebody else's acronym, but, but it's we have the, the infrastructure layer, we have managed IQ and cloud forms, we've got you know, work going on with Fedora and Gluster and Overt. I mean, we're really trying to make sure that um, we have everything you need to instantiate uh, a Red Hat. What was the saying last night at the party was, every cloud has a red lining you know, <laughs> or red cloud rising or something like sure. that. But I think that's really our, our vision is this um, open hybrid cloud or the convergence of public and private and being able to have, you know, REL on the inside and RDO um, there and our origin open shift hopefully is the, um, the plot the layer. Sure. And, and, um, I, I noticed as of Grizzly Red Hat, is it the most contributors, most commits? There was some stats there around, uh, I don't remember exactly which one it was, but it, you know, I don't, but there was definitely some, a, a little bit of, uh, it was interesting to see the spread, um, and it wasn't just oh, it's you know, it's just Rackspace, right? It, it seems to be opening up as a community, and Red Hat seems very involved yeah, with that, the OpenStack development. That's a healthy thing. Agree. I, I think that's really um, where we and, and as Randy had said, um, you know, it's it, we've hit a tipping point, mm-hmm. um, critical mass, maybe. Uh, I'm thinking we're getting there, but I think there's also a lot of um, open stack and open cloud initiatives at a lot of enterprises right now that are really taking, and they're here this week. Look at taking a very close look at um, OpenStack and starting to deploy it. Sure, and and the one thing that uh, I guess maybe the, the if you follow some of the analysts on on Twitter, they had the analyst day yesterday, and the one thing I, I will bring up is uh, you know apparently they were pretty brutal on uh, on Jonathan in the analyst day. They you know there was no no nothing no anyone wanted to willingly admit uh, you know publicly, but a, a lot of questions around. At what point does it get to be too many distributions, and is that a good thing and is that a bad thing? Well, as we watch, <laughs> Linux grow up, we know that you know there, there will be a winnowing of, yeah. the, of the field at some point. Um, is this history repeating itself? I think so. In my humble opinion, I think so. I think, um, and I think one of the Red Hat advantages is we've learned from experience um, how to work well with open source and community, and to you know. To, be diplomatic when we need to, to co- collaborate when we need to, but also to provide the technical support and the solution architects to make sure that everything works in place. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, I was just in uh, Tyson Corner a couple weeks ago with uh, solution architects from Red Hat, and they are just chomping at the bit to get a Red Hat solution to go out and take and, and give to people. It's like, give it to me. Right. You know, and I think what you're going to see is it's 
there'll be lots of distributions. Uh, I like some of the stuff. I really, I mean, some of the stuff that Marantis is doing is absolutely the coolness. I know, being able to take uh, a rack and just shove it in your ser- you know, in your server room, and it's already up and running with with OpenStack. That's just the coolness. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just great. And and I think a lot of that stuff's, um, it, it has to happen. Sure. You know, it has to be ready to run OpenStack. Are we, are we, so there's certain points of the industry. If you, if you do too much splitting too early on, you end up almost fracturing the progress. But at the same time, at some point, all of that is healthy competition, right? And so where's the balance between. Well, I think that the, that for me, interoperability is the issue. It's not about having too many. Mm -hmm. It's having too many flavors that are not interoperable. And I think that's what the issue was that came out. I don't care if there's 2,000 distributions of OpenStack as long as they're all interoperable. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing. That's where the struggle comes in. And um, yes, some people are going to have to tweak it to run on their hardware or their, you know, in their instantiation of Elastic Compute and whatever it is that they're doing. But if I can't run my flavor of the pause or my application because there's something specific or I can't get to the database, my database or the storage isn't working the same way from one cloud network, then we lose as a sure. community. So I think the key here is, is not the number of distributions, it's interoperability as it is always with, with everything. Sure. Great, great point. And so with that, I, I think we're going to close it up. So we are out of time for this week. Um, Diane, Ryan, Krishna, where can everyone get started with either the OpenStack products, OpenShift products, find more information about y'all. OpenShift.github.io is the best place to start with OpenShift Origin. And that will include links to getting started with the Origin on bare metal or on OpenStack. And the commits, the uh, templates for heat and the JEOS required are already up as pull requests. I think the heat template is actually being merged in. So as soon as that's up, everyone will be able to use it as well. We also have a live CD you could download, virtual machines, and instructions on how to build your own cartridge if you wanted to be a a partner down the road. Awesome. So we're really looking forward to hearing everybody's feedback, especially on the heat stuff. I want to see um, OpenShift Origin, OpenShift enterprise, whatever it is you want to run. Um, but I want to see it on every instantiation of OpenStack um, mm-hmm. that's out there. And um, I challenge you all to, to come and give it a try and give us some feedback. So, um, And we're always around on IRC on our IRC OpenShift-dev channel. So um, we live and breathe on IRC. Awesome. Very cool. All right. So if you like the show, please tell us a friend, tell a friend or leave us a review on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at thecloudcastnet or on the web at thecloudcast.net where you can find links to everything Cloudcast. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.